You are dialed in to the Success Line Podcast, the place where you get a chance to phone a friend, call in a lifeline, and ask a favor of someone who's been there and done that. This is Real People getting one-on-one coaching with Success Entrepreneurship Editor and New York Times bestselling author, Rory Vaden. Here's Rory. Hey there, it's Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group and your host of The Success Line. What you're about to hear is a real-life conversation with somebody that I am just meeting about the actual struggles they are facing each and every day in their life and their business. You and I are going to meet them at the same time. We're going to have an honest talk and then stick around at the very end and I'll do a debrief and a recap highlighting some of the biggest takeaways that you can apply to your own life. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Success Line. It's your man, Rory Vaden. We are addressing the biggest business issues of real-life people uh, and the real-life problems that they're having in their real-life businesses. And today, I'm excited to introduce to you uh, my friend, Brett. I say he's my friend because we've met on social media maybe a year and some change ago, um, but I don't know that much about him. I've never talked to him. This is, this is our first conversation, so he's been following along for a while. And uh, anyways, he opted to come on to the success line, which by the way, you can do if you want to volunteer yourself to get free coaching uh, here on the success line, you go to success.com forward slash success line guest and fill out a form. That is what Brett did. Um, Brett is a cool guy. He is a famous, a very famous, in my opinion, actor, Broadway actor. Uh, he's been in several musicals, uh, Wicked and on and on and on. And so anyways, I know nothing about acting nor singing. Uh, so I'm interested and very curious as to what his question is going to be today. But anyways, Brett, we're so glad to have you. Welcome to the success line. Oh, thanks, Rory. I'm really happy to be here. I'm happy to finally meet you face to face, uh, virtually, but it's, uh, it's really an honor. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks my friend. So tell us, uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, your background, um, and just kind of like, you know, what your business is up to. I have to think that COVID has probably thrown the entire, uh, you know, acting performance community for a loop. So what's, what's been oh, going yeah. on? Well, it's been, so for me, uh, like you said, I've been performing professionally full-time mostly as an actor um, for about 20 years in New York City. And then um, as a side business, I started, I became a certified life coach. I started really focusing on helping people in theater learn how to manage their business, manage their mind. I mean, you go to college for a BFA in any sort of arts career, you're not taught how to run a business. Mm. And so much of my, my time has been as a coach has been really helping people navigate the mindsets and the tools and the marketing and all of that stuff. Cause it's just very unique. Uh, it's very different than marketing, you know, uh, and promoting a product or a service. Cause when you're an actor, you're kind of marketing yourself and there's a way to do that. I I've learned over the years, to do it genuinely and authentically, and I love it, and I loved helping people, and I, I love the theater, um, and it's been such a nice complement to what I did full-time as an actor, and then the pandemic hit, and everything shut down, 
And my impulse was just to go into full-on service mode and start uh, doing a lot of live interviews and chats with people and um, and uh, trying to kind of keep the community motivated. And and that was my, mm. my shock reaction when everything happened last year. It was like, I'm going to do an interview every day. And about three months into that, that got a little bit exhausting and I wasn't really making any money. And I was like, I need to figure out how to turn this into, into getting clients. And so then I started kind of pivoting into um, getting more private clients and then, and spending less time doing free content. And, um, and it's been a really a miracle, you know, I really feel very blessed over the last year because I, I am coaching full time and it's been mm. uh, so much more fulfilling than my last three or four Broadway shows. Wow. Um, oh yeah. I love it. I, I want to take a bigger stage. And I think that's the thing I'm a little bit nervous about. And I'm feeling a little bit of self doubt around because oh, that sounds um, like a good place to, to explore and dive in. Yeah. There's, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's been it's my whole business has been built on this brand of Broadway and then Broadway didn't exist for the last year and a half. And then there's a lot of identity crises happening within the theater community because of uh, inequitable, inequitable spaces and, you know, all sort of as a result of the George Floyd uh, killing last year and all this stuff mm. has been happening within the community and fighting for, for more equity and, and some identity crises happening. And honestly, um, it needs to happen, but I just get very conflicted about where my coaching as a brand, as a Broadway brand and being in the community how to serve, how to help, but also how to build my business. Because here's the thing, you know, when you're working with actors, they don't make a consistent amount of money and charging or even increasing my rates always feels a little insensitive and inequitable. And um, so that's always been a bit of a challenge. But also through the course of the year, what I found is I'm getting people coming to me who aren't in the industry. I'm getting business people and, um, small entrepreneurs or even artists who are like composers and who aren't performers. And I love that. I love helping them figure out how to, how to navigate their, uh, you know, their artistry and putting themselves out into the world. But I'm struggling in, in how to like, my whole brand has been built around Broadway. Broadway doesn't really exist in, at this moment. I mean, it's going to come back, but I don't really, I want to really get out of that and pivot into a larger um, space and serve people on a greater level. And I'm just a little bit conflicted on how to do that. Okay. All right. So there's several things going on here. One, I think it's funny. I find it funny, <laughs> especially for, for those of you listening to go, it doesn't get much bigger than Broadway in terms of a bigger stage or a larger <laughs> space. Um, but let you know, let Brett's personal testimony here vouch for the idea that if you feel that way, it's normal, and you'll always feel that way, no matter how big of a stage you're on. I, you know, I'm sure it's like John Maxwell and Tony Robbins wake up and go, "Gosh, how can I can I need to impact more people? I'm just not reaching <laughs> enough people." Um, so I think that's funny. There's a there's a couple issues which I think is 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 half the battle, right? Of of solving a problem is identifying the problem, and you've got a couple things going on here. You've got some self doubt about 
what you're capable of of doing and um you know what you're ready for and what the world will will buy from you which feels a little bit emotional um i think you've got you've got a tactical issue here about what to charge and how to charge in a way that's fair to your audience and fair to yourself um and then you also have an overall clarity issue, which is kind of a blend between emotional and technical of who, who should I serve? Um, so let's start with that one. And, you know, the biggest, if there's a shortcut to this, and we've shared this before, I say this often, you are always most powerfully positioned to serve the person you once were, right? You're most powerfully positioned to serve the person you once were. So usually the place to start is what is ever closest to the person that you have been. That's where you start. It kind of becomes the epicenter. But then from there, over time, it, it typically will splinter out into other things, which it, it, it sounds like it's happening. Um, and so you know, you've got this money, you've got a, you've got an identity thing going on here. And then you got like a money thing kind of going on here. Am I just, am I hearing that right? Yeah, I think that's accurate. Yeah. So another clue. Okay. So if we're trying to figure out clues, another clue is to look at where you have momentum, where you have natural momentum to us is, is evidence or suggestion of the direction that you should go. Um, both momentum in terms of, you know, financial momentum, but also in terms of like fulfillment and satisfaction and joy. And um, you said you're getting a lot of joy from some, from, from certain things. So I guess I would ask you that question, where are you getting financial momentum and, and, and maybe think of it as who, who are you getting financial momentum with and who are you getting fulfillment momentum with? And are they, are they the same person or tell us about that? Yeah, I, I, um, that's a great question. I feel like I'm getting start with the financial momentum because that's, that's, that's much more black and white and empirical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I'm staying very steady with getting private clients. I'm getting a lot of, I, I mean, I'm probably 10 to 12 clients a week that I'm working with and, um, that's Who been really they? great. And they tend to be people who are, you know, an artist, but also have a business or somebody who like wants to be on Broadway or wants to be composer, but then also has like this side business or wants to get, get a personal brand as a performer, be able to like, like I did, like start a coaching business and be an actor. I don't know how to how to phrase that. Like, I don't know what you I call mean, that. Basically biz, business minded creatives is what it, I mean. Yeah, that sounds like, like I always kind of said creative entrepreneurs, but I don't know okay, if that sure. fits the title, but, but they're, so they're not just actors per se, but they're creatives, but they're, yes. they're wanting to learn more about the business. And it's not, it, you're not seeing a common goal. Like I want to get on Broadway. That might be some of them, yes. but, but, um, it's it's and and would you say your what you're teaching these people are more business uh, more businessy type skills that they're missing or is it more creative type skills that you're teaching them 
It's mostly business. Like most people are really want to dive right into social media when they meet me, which is interesting. Uh, But I've always been a little apprehensive of going at like being a social media coach because I think that there's so many other things that they don't understand, like building an email list and, and, you know, those things that they own. So I tend to kind of focus more on how to build up uh, a plan so they can be more consistent, you know? Uh huh. And and tell me about tell me a little bit about your personal journey. Like uh, you say that you've built your own personal brand. You mentioned that you developed a way of promoting yourself, which felt comfortable and not awkward. Like, is that is that been a big part of your story and your journey to success? Is that you basically developed a system? Like when you say as an actor, you're managing your business. What does that mean exactly? Like, what did you do that you think most actors don't? I built an email list. I mean, it is all that kind of marketing stuff, but I did it in a way that at least the, the, the most people who know me in my community think of me as somebody who was able to build a social media following without being promotion-y or salesy. I mean, I get, I get a lot of compliments on that. And I think that that's, there's a struggle that actors have in balancing that. And I've been able to do that for a really long time. Um, so I do think that's a huge part of my story as far as when I think about my community, because theater people are not very social media savvy. They tend to be pretty apprehensive about going onto social media because it feels ironic. There's, yeah. And it also feels like I think a lot of people don't want to sell. They don't want to promote. There's, I think theater people come from such a, a background where they were always kind of the outsiders that when you see social media or you see influencers or any of that, it feels a little bit like the popular kids, you know, and I think mm. theater people tend to be the non-popular people. So there's like this general apprehension around it. And I think that most people who come to me who know me, I mean, even I get texts from best friends, Tony winners who are like, you know, texting me, asking me to teach them how to do a reel, you know, on Instagram. Um, so that's been an interesting. Well, that is momentum. Okay. When somebody who has won a Tony is reaching out to you for something that is momentum. Now I would agree. I would agree. Social media, positioning yourself as social media is not the right thing. Like a social media coach is not the right thing. One, because you don't want to do it. And one of the tests that we're always looking for is the passion test. The passion mm-hmm. test is a couple parts. It's it's what fires you up, like what makes you excited. Um, if it doesn't fire you up, make you excited, it ain't your it's not your uniqueness. You're not gonna live there. You 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 might be able to do it for a while, but you'll burn out. The other thing is, you know, when people hear the passion question, they think, you know, sunshine and rainbows, but it's also what pisses you off, what breaks your heart what makes you sad? And it seems to me that like your real passion here is more around supporting this beautiful artist who can't figure out how to like manage the logistics of some basic business fundamentals. So their art never gets seen because they like just don't understand the basics and they have all these misconceptions and that that's really who you're existing to serve. That's 100% accurate. Yes. So, I love that. Now you introduced yourself on the show when I passed it over to you as a life coach. You don't sound like a life coach to me. You sound like a business coach. You sound specifically like a business coach for creatives. Um, that, and, and social media is a part of that. 
right? Um, yeah. The other reason, by the way, why social media coach is not your thing is because social media is not the key to your success. It's a component of one thing that you do, but it's not the thing where you go, man, this is, this is the one thing you got to do. You've said yes. email more times with more pride than you have said social on this. So that's, again, when you look to your, look to your past and go, your uniqueness lives at the intersection of who you were created to be and also who the world needs you to be, like who you feel called to be and who the world needs you to be. And when you get a, a, an email from a Tony winner basically saying, hey, help me with my marketing, that's a great, that is a real life intersection point of amazing high level people in the world reaching out to you for something that you feel called to. Although I wouldn't say it's social media, it's more of just like, you know, and it, maybe it's marketing. You might just be a marketing coach for creatives. Yeah. I mean, it could be, it could be all things business, but you, you know, I think that is more, you, you, you sort it out as you go. But to me, you're coming in a little bit reluctant. And I actually think that this part is pretty clear. I think this okay. is pretty, this part's pretty dialed in. Um, and I think you should run out of here and you should embrace that. And, um, because that is the person you once were, that is what breaks your heart. You are actually teaching people what you have actually done in your life to create a, a phenomenal result. And you're teaching from a depth of knowledge, but also a depth of experience. And so that makes me go like, man, that, that is your uniqueness. So let's talk about the self doubt for a second. Cause to me, that's, that must be the real issue. What, like, do you not, do you not feel qualified to do it? Or do you feel like you won't be well received by the market? Or do you feel like there's not enough people out there who are interested in it? Like what's going on with that part? Yes, yes, yes. No, I, I feel like, um, there, there is a huge, maybe it's the imposter syndrome or something, but what, you know, there's a lot of comparison happening. I see people already doing it and I'm like, they're doing awesome. Why would I try to just crowd them out? I'd rather recommend people to them or whatever. That's like where my brain goes. Um, why would I just, I'm just going to be another voice in this noisy, already kind of crowded space around being a marketing coach. And then there's, cause that's one element of this. Um, the other element of course has been the industry being non-existent and that's really who I've served for so long. And so there was a, a doubt around that. How do I, how do I charge people when they're not making money and the industry shut down? Uh, how do I, so uh, there's also been fear around changing my identity. Like you were saying, I've been known as an actor for so long. When do I make the decision to just embrace my embrace being a coach and just be like, I'm a coach. Like, you know, there's, there's this apprehension around it because my identity has been so wrapped in, in it for so long. So it's all of those things. Yeah. So to me, on this part, well, this is so fun. Um, <laughs> so f first of all, the comparison part to me is, is the most deceptive and the most inaccurate, you know, fear. This is an old acronym there, right? They say fear is false evidence appearing real. Appearing real. Mm -hmm. um, you are, you say there is a bunch of noise of marketers 
There are a lot of marketing coaches, but I would bet there are very few who have ever stepped on a Broadway stage. And of the ones who have stepped on a Broadway stage, they haven't been on as many times as you have. And see, this is the problem. This is one of the problems with comparison. I mean, part of it's a hard issue, right? Part of it is just that, you know, the devil uses comparison to hold good people back from doing good things in the world. Uh, it's, it's a favorite tool, but, but, and that's why they say comparison, you know, is a, is a, is a thief of joy, but it's also a creator of mediocrity because comparison allows you to stay safe mm-hmm. and allows you, it is the easiest and most attainable excuse to latch onto to not go in the direction that you clearly feel called. Um, and so what we do is we compare ourselves cause we go, Oh, well, so-and-so out there is a marketing coach. They've been doing that, but then we leave out what they haven't done. Like we go, Oh yeah. Like, you know, I'll use myself as a weird example here. Right. So let's say, you know, me as a, as a leadership teacher or something, right. It's like, well, John Maxwell's written 75 books on leadership why would anyone listen to me? And you go, John Maxwell is amazing. I mean, he's one of the legends of this industry, but you know what he's never done? He has not knocked on doors 14 hours a day, six days a week for five years. Like I have, I don't think that he, you know, started a a company from scratch. He started a church from scratch when he was young, but that's different, right? Like there's a whole different, I'm not saying that I'm better by any means. What I'm saying is that I'm different. Um, and, and it's one of my favorite quotes, you know, Sally Hogshead says different is better than better. So your, there are things that other people have done that you haven't done. That is true. It's definitely true, but there are so many things that you have done that other people have not done. And it's not about, and, and, and what's ironic is, the uniqueness doesn't come from the marketing strategy. The marketing strategies are almost the same for everybody in every industry from every teacher. The uniqueness comes from your personal stories and your personal experience. It's, it's like the lens that you broadcast it through, right? So all of us teach principles. Those principles are basically like broadcast through a lens, like a prism, Right. And so the principles come through and then on the, the, the prism, just what comes out looks different based on the size and shape of our prism, which is, is unique for each of us. And dude, like, I mean, it, it's gotta be so few people who have spent as much time on a Broadway stage as you, the best part about this, this whole conversation and I, not as a strike to you, but it's not for you, Brett. It's for all the people listening to someone at your caliber, watching someone at your caliber experience the same level of self-doubt that they feel thinking no one else feels it and watching you. I mean, you're a, you're a superstar in your space. You're at the, you're at the peak of that, of your industry experiencing that. And that's because you're transitioning from what you've mastered into something that is new and is scary, but there's nobody like you. And, 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 and there is nobody that has had your experience. Um, and, and there's very few people who have even had experience even close to what you have had. Um, but if they have, 
then they probably don't have the passion to teach what you're feeling called to teach. And if they do, they probably don't have the same education and the exact same principles that you do. And even if they did, like the best example of imposter syndrome for me is, is, is the, is the, what's your, what's your favorite type of food, Brett? Like what's your favorite? Oh, class I love this. Of, yeah. Yeah. Mexican. I love Mexican food. Mexican, yeah. right? Everybody loves Mexican food, right? And you go Mexican food is all the same ingredients. It's beans and rice and cheese and chicken and some tortillas all re-engineered in like a thousand different ways. <laughs> but if you love Mexican, you like going to multiple Mexican restaurants. So even if there was someone out who taught it like almost the same as you who had the same pedigree and background, somebody who was interested in that wouldn't want, wouldn't say, oh, I already went to this one Mexican restaurant. I'm never going to eat Mexican food again. They would say, I loved that restaurant. And so I, anytime I get a chance to eat Mexican, I eat Mexican. If I liked one Broadway show, I want to go to all the Broadway shows. If I like one rock band, I like all the rock bands. And yet in our mind, we think of it in such a scarcity, like zero sum win loss game. And it's, it's, it's not only self-defeating, it's completely inaccurate. It's like irrational. Um, so the comparison thing is just, that's silly, man. You just got to let go of that. Yeah, I'm working on it. I, I, you know, for me, it's, it's about taking action and moving through it. But I do think that there is a big part of that is, um, you know, even hearing you say that, yeah, I get it. I have like my Mexican food is like totally just, you know, a different, different flavor. But when the Broadway, like, I just kind of go back to this, like Broadway has been so attached to the brand for so long. How do I change that language? Because I'm, because I, but you're I do not Broadway. Get... You're not Broadway. You're creative. Yeah. That's what it is. I mean, you're not bro Broadway is just a place, man. Yeah. Like it's an important part of your life, but it's, 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 it's just, it's just a place that your journey happened. I yeah. mean, you, you're not, you're not Broadway and you're in your, and it's business. Like what's amazing wasn't just that you got on Broadway. Like it's, it's like, I, I don't even hear you saying, you know, I ha I created the most amazing acting, singing, dancing formula that I'm going to teach. It's going, no, 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 there's some business fundamentals that are way easier that if people did these, they would get much further, much faster, but nobody teaches them. Right. And yeah. that, that's who you are like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, th I think that's super powerful. Now there's always apprehension when you, you, you do identity shifts. Um, but the other thing that I would say is, I don't feel like you have to let go of one to catch the other here. I don't, I don't think this is necessarily a place. It, it's not like, okay, you're a surgeon and, and then you're also starting a business trying to, trying to teach like gardening on the side and make that your full-time thing where they're like, they're not connected. <laughs> These are very synergistic. Um, you know, and I, I do this too, right. Is, is as a speaker, a lot of the people we coach are, as you know, aspiring speakers and, and things, it's like, well, I'm still out there speaking and I actually take pride. And I think one of the reasons that clients hire me is 
they love the fact that I'm still in the game. Like I'm, it's not, Hey, I did this and let me tell you what I, you know, what worked for me 15 years ago. And I'm still teaching that. It's like, you know, this is what got me to here. And, and by the way, I'm learning every day, just like you, like I'm still always trying to kind of grow. So I don't think you have to let go of one to catch the other in this case. Sometimes hmm. you do, but I, I think these are, are very, very parallel. Yeah. I think your primary business model has probably been acting and that's probably sliding down into your secondary business model and your, you know, coaching is probably moving up into your, into your primary business model. Um, so I think, you know, I, I think it's that, but I don't think you have to let go of your identity as an actor. I think it's a, I think it's part of your uniqueness. I think it's part of what makes it, um, you know, credible and fun and fascinating is that you're still out there, you know, doing it. Yeah. Until you're not anymore. Like at some point that may drop off, but I think that's, um, I think that's amazing. So uh, thanks. Yeah. And I I would, that's that's good. Um, so you have that and then charging for the prices. Okay. (laughs) So let's talk about this. So tell me about your fear there with charging, charging for the prices. Well, I think there's just a bit of, confusion around how like you know i'm at a place now where i do need to figure out how to scale like scaling is just it's just the time energy and the management like i'm not making we really want to have a baby right like that's a huge part of my uh, a, a huge life goal right now and right now this money they're making is getting us by but it's not going to help us get this family that we want to get and so and, and i'm spending a lot of time coaching one-on-one and so trying to figure out how to scale like i i launched i I launched a course and i think i overpriced it and you know how much did you charge for it 9.97 for an eight-week course um a marketing course creative marketing course funny enough how many people how many people did you show it to like how did you have like a free training or something yeah i did three webinars and i ended up having about 250 people come and then how I many people bought any nine nine mm-hmm. wait a minute so you had three webinars you had 250 people come yeah all right so 10 percent would be 25 buyers which would be legit so five percent would be 12 and a half buyers um so that's right in line actually <laughs> so i mean you know, it's interesting, you know, depending on whatever internet marketer you've watched latest, they'll make you think that it's like you should be like making, you know, private jets and rolling in Maseratis. <laughs> the The reality of the fact is, is we, we see as many funnels on the back end. I mean, not as anybody, but like we, more than most. And we've built a ton. Most of these funnels convert at one to 3%. 10% is, is, is amazing. Like uh, some of our best performing funnels ever, uh, especially for a, what you're doing is a full offer funnel. You're asking for a credit card and a 9997 price point is a high price point. Um, and so that is, that is a little bit steep for your first product, but your ratios are not off. If you've had 250 people watch a training and 10 of them buy, that's right in that 3% window. Um, now, you know, my guess is that you, you could probably step that price down a little bit and, and increase it. Um, and, but you're not you're not off i mean it's it's not here's the thing digital marketing and online marketing is a game of numbers like all marketing 
I mean, and when you're selling a high price point, it doesn't matter if you're selling a video course or a car. I mean, think about how many people see a car commercial versus the percentage that show up and buy the car. It's the same. It's mass marketing to a high dollar, a high dollar sale. A one to three percent conversion is pretty normal. Ten percent is amazing. Five percent is really good. Three percent is normal. So you're not off. What you need is more reach. You need more people going through the funnel, um, if that makes sense. And uh, yeah, and I think that's the thing. I'm, I, I maybe this is about. And this is, you know, I was hoping, oh, I'm going to launch this course. I'm going to make all this money. I can hire a team now. I can bring somebody on to help me with copy because, I mean, I do get very hung up on legit. I become the bottleneck in my own business when it comes especially to writing stuff because it just, I can talk for hours. When I can write for like seconds. Um, so I need, you know, but I, I didn't make that much revenue and it, there's just a lot of life stuff um, that kind of got in the way. And I, I'm. I, I don't know. And then I can beat myself up about it and then I can spiral back into the self-doubt. And so, I, you know, there's something about scaling right now that just gets me a little hung up. And I, and you're right. How do I, how do I grow and get a broader audience so I can get that list growing and, and make it, and make that impact, you know? Well, let me, let me, let me walk you through the math there because this is one of those things where people feel like here, here's the big misconception that people have the best content wins. Not the case. Almost never. It's 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 not New York Times best writing author. It's New York Times best selling author, as Robert Kiyosaki says. Um, it's why you read these books that have sold a million copies, and you're like, nothing that original in this book. It's right because it's not the best content that wins. It's the best marketing. It's the biggest audience that wins. I mean, frankly, and mm -hmm. here's <clears throat> there's only. There's three types of traffic. There's free traffic. Um, and then our favorite traffic is get paid traffic, which is when you get paid to be put in front of an audience. But the only guaranteed form of traffic is paid traffic, is to buy your traffic, right? So if you just look at $1,000, all right, let's actually do the math here. So you had, you had nine, what did you say, nine people buy? Yeah. All right, so you just got to reverse engineer the math here, all right? So you had nine people buy out of 250. So let's look at your funnel conversion percentage, 3.6%, pretty healthy. So that's your funnel conversion percentage. Now, one way of looking at that is, is to go, okay, you had nine people buy at 9.97. So that was $8,973. Um, now, normally what we think of is we go, okay, that's $9.95 for each buyer. But if you take that same $89.73 and you divide it by the people who showed up, okay, that'll tell you what is the cost, what is the value per view, right? So if you go take $89.73 divided by $250, so your total revenue divided by the total viewers instead of the total buyers, that means a viewer is worth $35.89 to you per viewer. Now, if you were then to kind of, you know, this is how we optimize and analyze a paid traffic funnel. Um, you know, so you probably, I, I didn't mention this to everyone, but you're, you're an early brand builders group client. So you haven't, you haven't gotten to this stuff. Um, but in phase three, when we talk about high traffic strategies, this is where you're looking at these dashboards and you're analyzing all of these these conversion points, right? So 
each viewer, right? You know that each buyer is worth $9.97, but now you know that each viewer is worth $35.89. Well, if you go, what percentage of the people who register for the free training actually watch the free training? Now, that should be a data point that you could pull in real time, you know, if not now, at some point in the future. But typically, it's around 50%. Like, only half the people will actually show up to watch your thing. So if you take that 3589 and you divide that by two, now you know that each registrant is worth $17.95 to you. So that is um, the value of each email address, okay? Um, because half of those people will show up and watch, and then 3.6% of those people will show up and buy. And so you're just reverse engineering the math here. So it's it's just under $18 per registration. And then what you got to do is you look at your analytics on the registration page, the page where they sign up for the webinar. And so you go, okay, I know that each email registration is worth $18 to me. What percentage of people who come to the page that tells them about the free training actually opt in? Hmm. Now, normally we would see, our, you know, we would we would aim for at least 30%. Our best converting registration pages are like 50, 53, 54%. They're really good. Wow. Let's mm. say you could get in between there at like a 40%. So then you take that 1795, divide that by 0.4. Whoops, that's not right. Um, divide it by 0.4 or multiply it by 0.4. Um, 0.4, $7.18. So in your mind... You said it didn't work because I only had nine people buy, but each buyer is worth a thousand nine ninety seven to you. But if you reverse engineer the math, it tells you that each viewer is worth thirty five dollars, each registrant is worth almost eighteen dollars, and each visitor to your page is worth seven dollars and eighteen cents. Here's why that matters. Now, if you can go out and buy clicks for less than seven dollars and eighteen cents and maintain your ratios at every point in the funnel. So you have to you have to have a dashboard, a way of tracking that. But if you can buy clicks for $5 and maintain a 40% registration page conversion, and you maintain a 50% watch conversion, and then a 3.6% sales conversion, <clears throat> then you're theoretically making $2.18 on every single person who comes to the page. So you spend $5 for the click. So in your case, this funnel, now in realistic terms, you know, we're saying uh, you can get a, a, a visitor for you is worth about $7.18. That's about what it normally, well, see, actually, that's about what it normally costs for a registration. So normally on a Facebook ad campaign, you're going to be looking at somewhere between four and seven dollars for a registration you can actually afford eighteen dollars so a click might only be like two or three bucks so you can go out and buy clicks for two and three dollars and as long as they're quality clicks meaning the ratios all the way down the line don't change you're gonna make you're it's gonna cost you let's say three dollars for every click but you're going to make $4 on every click because each click is worth $7 to you. And so what you do is you go, all I need to do is go buy more quality clicks. That's the fastest way to grow your following. This is a great funnel. Like this is a funnel that can work at this price point. Now, 
you only have a little bit of margin here, but the good news is if you do this right, you have a break-even funnel, meaning worst-case scenario, this funnel breaks even. So whatever, if you put, let's say you paid $7.18 a click, if the ratio stayed the same, you would make no money on the funnel, but you would lose no money. Now, that even though that's a break-even financially, it's not break-even overall because now you're growing your email list at will. Hmm. And as fast as you can spend money, you're growing emails, which means on the second offer, the next thing you sell, 100% of it is profit. Um, and this is how and this is how and why these most sophisticated digital marketers are willing to lose money on the first funnel because mm. they're so dialed in on the back end. Um, but this is a winning funnel as it is now, that's you nice know, to hear. so that's one thing is you gotta, you gotta know your numbers and you gotta just know the analysis here. Um, and then the other thing on terms of copywriting. So you said this and so many people say this, they say, <laughs> I'm great at talking, but I suck at writing. If you are great at talking in this modern day, then that means you're great at writing. Why? Because there's any number of apps that you can use to transcribe your voice. So this is literally how I create our sales pages. I talk them out on something called otter.ai, which is a free tool, and it transcribes it while I'm talking. Um, and then all I have to do is clean it up or edit it myself or I'll just record a video or something while I'm driving, and then later I'll upload it to a tool like Temi, T-E-M-I, or mm -hmm. rev.com, and they'll transcribe it. So um, it's funny, I, I just interviewed a, a woman uh, for a, my, a, another podcast that I do, and, and I loved, her name's Allie Fallon, and she had a great line. She said, great books aren't the result of great writing, they're the result of great thinking. And that's so true. It's the thinking that matters. And if you can think and you can talk, then you can talk and you can transcribe, which means you can write. So writing is no longer allowed to be an excuse for you. Not being a good writer is no longer an, a, a justifiable excuse for any of us. Because um, there's all these tools that you can use. You've got a winning formula here, Brett. Um, you were positioned wrong. You're not a life coach. You're a business coach for creatives. But other than that, the rest of this is all a pretty winning formula. You just got to know your numbers. You got to keep going and you got to kind of just embrace this and go all in. And now I think with the permission of going, you don't have to let your identity of being an actor disappear. It actually can become a positive ancillary component of what you do as a creative. You're yeah. not a creative who once was. You're an active creative who is creating. Uh, and that is a strategic competitive advantage. Um, this is a winning business and you need to get after it. Hmm. Thanks, Rory. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, buddy, um, I appreciate you coming on and talking through this. There's both the, always the, the mental side of this and, uh, and then there's the, the, you know, the, the technical side of it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very normal <laughs> at every level. You'll never be free of it. It's always there. Um, but, um, you you are totally unique you are totally well positioned um you have a gift you've got a funnel that wins um and you should go out and you need to give this gift to more people thank you yeah i'm gonna do that all right my friend we wish you the best 
No, thanks. Powerful conversation, like always, right here on the Success Line. A couple of big highlights from that conversation of things that stick out for me, which uh, hopefully will stick out and, and be, be good reminders for you as well. Number one is the passion test. The passion test. It's not good enough to be good at something. You have to also be passionate about it. If you're not passionate about it, you're going to burn out on it. And so give yourself permission to find something that you are passionate about doing, about solving, about curing. And, and remember that passion isn't just, Ooh, what gets me happy and excited. It is also what makes you mad. What, what, what makes you angry? What do you feel is unfair? What breaks your heart? What makes you sad? Those things are hints and clues and evidence and suggestions of your uniqueness. Second thing, know your numbers, know your numbers. Brett's sitting on a winner. He's sitting, he's literally sitting on a winner. Like his funnel that we, we mapped out, you know, pipeline, whatever term you want to use. But since he's, he's basically doing an online uh, funnel or online marketing, we would call it a funnel, which by the way, uh, in our world, we separate anything that is offline selling like human to human kind of, you know, classic old school sales or whatever we call that offline selling. We refer to those as pipelines, you know, sales pipelines, like sales stages. And you, you, you know, you track that in a CRM, but any type of online selling, which is more like new age selling, which is, you know, webinars and social media and going live and video funnels and all that stuff. We call those funnels. It's the same thing. It's just, it's a funnel is online and a pipeline is offline, but it's all, it's all moving moving someone gradually through a process. Well, whether it's offline or online, you have to know your numbers and it's not just know who bought. You have to know the percentage conversion, the percentages of conversion at each stage in the process so that you can reverse engineer what each of those points is worth tracking all the way back to whatever the beginning point is. Because most people, the reason their business doesn't grow is not because their business model is broken or their qual their product isn't good, et cetera, et cetera. It's because they just sheerly don't have the reach. They don't have enough new people who know about them. And that is actually something that you can control with advertising. I mean, with paid media, you literally can like, for the most part, control it. You can bid and say, I'm willing to pay this much for more attention. It's not buying followers, it's buying impressions, it's buying eyeballs, it's buying awareness. It's the same as a Super Bowl commercial or a billboard. It's just a lot less expensive, much more trackable, and a lot easier to do these days in a, in a whole variety of different mediums, not the least of which um, we believe is, is the, you know, the merging space, which is influencer marketing, which means you don't even have to pay a media company. You can just go find someone who has a large social media following of of people, the people following them, you think are your target audience. And you can pay that person to just do a direct post or call to action. Like a lot of people out there are Instagram rich and dollar broke and, and they make money from doing that kind of thing. And you don't have to be a big company to do it. And it's not tens of thousands of dollars. Like a lot of these people will do posts for, I don't know, a few hundred bucks, maybe a thousand bucks. Like you can get some legitimate traffic and, you know, split, you need to test all of these things and, and track it. You got to know your numbers. But if you know how much that first impression is worth to you, 
then it's very simple. It's not, oh my gosh, my business is falling apart. I'm not making enough money. My price is wrong. Nothing is working. Blah, blah, blah. Like the, the mental mushroom you know, that happens, which is very natural and normal, by the way, we all do it. it. It literally becomes a very pragmatic question of where can I go buy impressions for this dollar amount? And as long as I buy them for this amount, I am winning. It's not easy, but it's simple, right? It's not easy, but it is simple. Um, and, and it's simply knowing your numbers. And really, at the end of the day, the, you know, the, big, the big takeaway there from Brett and for me and for all of you is the imposter syndrome. Man, imposter syndrome eats us up. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Uh, you know, I, this is not who I once was. I'm not sure I'm, I'm capable. And all of that is, is your brain functioning in a very normal, healthy way to keep you safe. That's what your brain does. Your brain is designed for safety to keep you safe, which means to keep you doing what you've always done. Success is not about safety. Success is about getting outside the comfort zone, right? Like it's doing new things which are risky and scary. And so you just have to know that's what your brain is doing. And then you reprogram it and, and you, you realize, oh my gosh, like nobody has the same uniqueness that I do. Nobody has the same experience I do. Nobody's gone through the same heartaches, had the same education, has the same passion. Uh, No one has it exactly the same as you. And, and we just live in a world where we're lucky to each have uh, an opportunity and a chance to build that platform and communicate that message. That's never existed before. So yeah, there's a lot of noise, but it's like, it doesn't matter. Nobody is you. The more that you step into being who you are and allowing that to come through, the more you're going to win. And if there is someone like you that's out there that someone else is following, if they like them, they're going to like you too. Because when you like Mexican food, you like Mexican food from every restaurant. So you only feel fear when you're thinking about yourself. You don't feel fear when you're thinking about others. There is no fear when the mission to serve is clear. So stop thinking about yourself. Start thinking about the people you're trying to help. Know your numbers. Lean into your passion. Follow your uniqueness. Go out and serve someone. And I promise you'll be successful. We'll catch you next time on The Success Line. If you would like to appear on The Success Line, head to success.com slash success line guest to fill out the application form. If you're enjoying the podcast, feel free to rate, review, and most of all, tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.